Cinephiles, audiophiles, ladies and germs, welcome to the Film Cult Podcast. Tonight, bass virtuoso, director, and composer, John Famigletti of the band Health. John, how are things? Uh, hey, uh, I don't think anyone would ever call me a bass virtuoso. Why not? Myself a death. Thank you. Uh, uh, I think on the, the scale of musicianship, I'm technically pretty bad. But uh, I'm very passionate about the instrument, though. I do love, I do love bass. I'm gonna we have to start this over if that was awkward. No, hell no. I'm going to have to disagree <laughs> with that. I, I think that you're a hell of a bass player. And Thank I think, you. And Thank I, you, sir. And I think that you're even better live. Uh, Thank you, man. I saw you guys when you played um, Sled Island up here in Calgary mm. a few years ago. Blew the fucking roof off the place. Like that was one of the best sled shows that's ever that's ever existed. So yeah, I mean, Sled Island is a really awesome thing. Um, I think we fuck. I think we played like three or something. Every time has been an amazing, amazing experience. And I think that one was that one in uh, fuck was that awesome bar called? Uh, you were in Dickens. Dickens. That's it. I, we went back into Dickens for uh, for a goth fest. But man, that show was, was awesome. Really awesome. Well, you've been like grabbing these artists right now that it's you have really tapped into the zeitgeist you have your finger on the pulse everybody from jpeg mafia to ghost main to full of hell are you actively out there trying to find these bands or is it just kind of falling into your lap essentially yes so uh yes definitely we are definitely seeking out people it's a little mix of it this whole thing kind of started by accident and um it wasn't like there was no plan for an album or it wasn't that this is going to replace disco or that we're going to do so many freaking collab tracks. It sort of came accidentally. And like the first collab was just with no life who happened to be working with someone who like working with through someone who like knew Travis. And they're like, do you, you want to do a song with this kid? No life from New York. We're like, okay, sounds kind of cool. And like, that was the first one to sort of like create this idea of like doing a song quickly, which we've really never done and really never been comfortable with. And then kind of started snowballing. Until like, yeah, until you have like, um, and then people like Ghost Man and JPEG Mafia, like extremely of the now, extremely like exploding, you know, new artists, newer artists were down. And I was like, well, shit, I'm really cooking here, you know? And it kind of just kind of, kind of, kind of kept going. And uh, we were, you know, really shocked that like they were down to, that they even knew who we were, you know? So it was pretty flattering, you know? Will you even go from no life and then I what was your next collaboration really with Soccer Mommy? That's going from one fucking extreme to another. So that's that's pretty cool that you're going that to, to one extreme to another. So the, the everything kind of you know everything is no, nothing is really planned to this. So the the Soccer Mommy one that was basically that was supposed to be the Purity Ring song. We've been friends with Purity Ring forever, and that's why if you notice that song, it's like the song is produced by Corin Roddick. Purity Ring really sounds like Purity Ring. I mean, he did most of the music. Uh, him and Jake were working together for a long time, and it was like. That was, you know, Megan was supposed to sing on that. It's been so long between records. They didn't put out a single long time. And um, so, you know, it ended up not working out. So they're just like, well, we should get a girl to sing on it. And then, and then some of the labels like, well, we, we know Soccer Mama. You want to sing her, have her hop on? We're like, okay, sure. <laughs> and that's kind of how it happened, you know. So you know, the, another, a lot of this was not planned out. It just sort of started falling into place. And then that's where it started going. We're like, oh, got like a, got an album here right now, you know. So how much more do you have, like, in the tank right now? Do you have a Disco Floor Part 2 already uh, mixed, ready to go? No, we're supposed to. We actually have zero. Um, there are a bunch of... It's really hard to, to do these, get these songs fit. Like, they're, they're not a whole lot of time has worked in terms of, like, the, the main part of the song. 
most of all the early ones we did would do like a day or in the studio or some of them got worked over time. We knew the person personally, but uh, a lot of these, the later ones are all done over email, like remotely because of, you know, COVID. And, and I also, it's us kind of taking advantage of knowing everyone's home. Like people would normally be on tour. And it's like, I know you're not doing anything. You want to do a song? Uh, <laughs> stuff like that. So, um, it, yeah, but it's still a long time, like just to get it done or back and forth, or, like, you know, chasing down someone or getting them to work. You know, it could just take a long time. But so, yeah, so part two, no, we got, we have Dick. Uh, we have like songs that have been started with some pretty rad artists. Let's hope they get finished and they come out, you know, and let's hope part two does not take too long. But we, we want to do part two. A big reason I want to do part two is everyone's still at home. So I, we know we can, you know, hit up people and we know they're not doing anything. <laughs> well, how has your pandemic been going? Have you been staying busy? Have you been writing lots? Yeah, uh, extremely busy. I mean, the, the main writing, uh, there's been some stuff we worked on that we can't like uh, come out yet, but um, we've been working on these collabs. I mean, a lot of these collabs are done. Some of them were done this year. Um, we've been very, very active in like sort of untraditional ways, like not touring, like sort of embracing a lot of like uh, modern uh, internet culture shit. Like I'm on the health discord daily. I didn't do that before. I didn't even have a discord, you know, stuff like that. Uh, streaming here, working on this, uh, doing some soundtrack work. Uh, got, got, just finished a remix for another band today. Just different stuff. So I've been been staying extremely busy, you know, despite not touring. Volume four saw you guys work with Adult Swim, if I'm not mistaken. That was just like Adult Swim. You know, they're really cool. We've had a long history. They're like, do you want to be part of the singles collection? We're like, yes, but we already have an album done. Can we put one of the album singles on it so more people hear it? They're like, absolutely. And that's it. <laughs> you know. Could you see yourself working with them a lot more in the future now? Oh, of course. I mean, we've, we've worked with them before. I mean, like you can turn back the clock like over 10 years and it's like, there is a remix, uh, like there is a adult swim hip hop remix comp that we're on. You know, there's just all kinds of random things. Uh, friends of ours, uh, directed and produced the, uh, the Eric Andre show. We were on the pilot episode that never aired and then showed up like season four. There's always been some sort of weird adult swim connection just from people we know who are comedians or, or whatever. And they've always been super cool. We, we played their fest last year. It was sweet. Stuff like that. Well, you guys have done a lot of video game soundtracks, and, and all of your music is so cinematic. How much did film play a role in, in your like early formative years? Uh, huge. I mean, I went to like a pretty shitty one-year film school, and so I moved to Los Angeles. I kind of based my life on the Doors movie. You know, when I look back, <laughs> I, I really did. And I was like, uh, Jim Morrison, that movie goes to UCLA. I'm like, well, I'm going to go to UCLA, and I'll also start a band. And then... Um, I didn't get into UCLA, so I'm like, well, fuck, I could just move to LA normally. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> like, I didn't really apply to any other colleges either. I'm like, Doris movie, got to figure it out. Um, and it's really true. I really did. So, and, and that's just kind of kind of how it went. So, and uh, Jake also is very, we're all very uh, film literate. We're all very much into movies. And we have a lot of friends who work in the industry. So it's definitely been close to our mind. Have you guys thought about doing like a full-fledged film score? Or do you have anything in the works coming up? Absolutely. Uh, we do have something in the works coming up. It is, uh, it's an indie film. We actually worked on another film last year and, uh, we, at the very end, we ended up, we kind of, you know, we're kind of, we were canned or let go, uh, nicely though. I think they just sort of went in a different direction. Um, there's also some budgetary things, but, um, so we've been dabbling, dip, been dipping in there, but yeah, we'd love to score a lot of, movies. we'd love to score something like sci-fi or something you know, sort of action based. It'd be really amazing, but it's very hard to get into the film industry i'm sure as you know you know there's a lot of our our video game pedigree does not translate 
necessarily. You know, you can't just like go to an agent and be like, I've done this, will you give me a job? Uh, we do have representation now, so let's see. However, no one's working right now. Everything is is not, not going right now <laughs> for obvious reasons, you know? Well, it is funny that you mentioned that because <laughs> I do know that it's hard to get into the film industry and lots of guys that I speak to on this and they have a hard time trying to crack in to specifically scoring was it easy to get into the video game soundtracks? Uh, only because we were so lucky that someone came and asked for us. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how you would get in otherwise. You know, uh, we basically got a message like, Rockstar Games would like to meet you since you're in New York right now and like to take you to dinner. And in my head, I was like, wow, what if they asked us to score a game? That would never happen. They're probably just asking us for rights for some GTA something. And that's really cool too. And then we went to the dinner and they're like, so we're thinking of having you work on this game. I was like, what the fuck? Like, did I manifest this? <laughs> it's like, like the secret or something. Uh, and it was pretty, pretty amazing. And that's, I don't know, that's just incredible, incredible luck. And I really got nothing to say more about that. So I don't know how you'd get in. I don't know how we would. We, we've only really worked for Rockstar. We did it again with uh, GTA Online. And we did a song for uh, GTA 5. Um, we have a song in Cyberpunk 77, which is pretty exciting, coming out in about, I don't know, less than two weeks or two weeks. Well, you've even got to do your hand at directing yourself for five music videos, if I'm not mistaken. How, have you enjoyed that process? And what do you feel like you've learned the most during this time doing your guys' music videos? Uh, I'm I very like, you know, I always wanted to be a director very into it, but um, I also hate the experience. Like, it's like, it's just like stressful. I'm like, fucking worry about this budget and all this bullshit. But, um, Overall, it's good, though. I'm, I'm pretty happy with most of them. The, the, I guess the biggest thing I learned is uh, you, can save, you can save your music video if you just edit it enough. Like, there are just tons of times there's just total disaster, and, like, we, 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 we can make it work. We can cut this together until it's good. <laughs> well, do, do you prefer to get an outside director in for these videos now, then? No, no, it's too much of a pain. Uh, the, there's so many things to translate, and there's so many, like, taste meters. Uh, the only thing is that, is that just doing a three-minute music video is this huge time suck. And of all these things to allocate, it's a huge pain. And, and more and more, the music video is less and less relevant to people getting into your music. Like, it seems like this massive expense, it's pretty unnecessary now. I think even with, like, a lot of most, like, uh, big pop or rap artists, like, they don't make the video till like, almost, like, eight months in if the song's already a hit. You know, you don't blow the money just dropping it with the video anymore. Um, but the only guy, so recently, uh, Zev Dean's, uh, he's been doing these videos. He did videos for almost the entire Disco 4 by just doing animated videos that he could do for next to no budget and do on his computer. And uh, we, obviously, we get, we, he sees really eye to eye and he's been like, especially for how, like, how cheap and how fast he's been able to do this, pretty amazing. So we've been sort of churning out these sort of animated quote unquote visuals, but most of them are pretty full-fledged videos. He does amazing work. Well, you started in 05 when not a lot of people were buying records anyway. <laughs> and now there's even less people buying records. Do you think that that helped out in your guys' model of how you were going to release and how you were going to set up the band going forward? Uh, maybe. I guess like when people are like complaining about streams, I'm like, I don't know, man. I started in 2000s. Like nobody was selling records. So <laughs> it's like a huge improvement. <laughs> Uh, the weird thing is the 2000s, the name of the game was some people were buying records, but they would, would be very strange people or be people who are kind of quote unquote lamer or like had a more normal life. So in the sort of indie related sphere, it was like, can you make your music appeal to these strange people who are buying your record as like a, a charity? 
And so a lot of these really cool artists would like have these, and it was still sort of based around record sales, even though everyone knew no one was buying records. So like certain artists could somehow like cut through to like the country's art teachers and sell a ton of records. And it was like this really strange time. There's so many things, you know, the 2000s are such a transitionary time where everything's out of whack. At least now with the streaming, the record label is like, we're making money off the streams. Now it's incredibly hard to make that money. So it's, it's not a huge sum, but like at least they, like, there's like, they have a goal. Or you really don't have to have the label. You could just, you know, your music can go up in Spotify in two seconds and anyone can hear it, which I'm sure some, you know, punk rocker in 1981, like, drunk was like, dude, in the future, there's going to be like a computer and you're going to be able to get like everyone's dream. You know, all these indie labels probably had some sort of dream like this. This would be possible. So who knows? Do you really enjoy putting out a vinyl release still? Or do you actually... Yes. Do you? Or do you prefer just dropping shit at random online unexpectedly? Which no, one do you prefer? The album, we are very, you know, even if we are very partial to the album, that's how I got in. That's why I you know, really love music. I loved albums and still do. I still listen to albums, even though it's on Spotify. I exclusively use Spotify. But um, very much in the album, very much in the statement, collecting the stuff together, even if it is, this is sort of compilation. We spend a lot of time. We, we really care about the sequencing and making it work. We care how long our albums are. We don't want them to be fucking boring. We want to be able to sit and listen down to them beginning to end. We also plan them out by side because that really works for your ear. Um, and yeah, we like putting out the record. People are buying these records nowadays. I don't know if they're playing them. I mean, I don't know where you play a CD nowadays, but people seem definitely seem to have record players. Have you noticed like an an uptick in the vinyl sales, like as of the last year during this pandemic? Are people buying more? I th- they might be. I think they might be. No, we've consistently sold vinyl. The whole in the two thousands, it was kitsch to have vinyl, and in the twenty twenties, it's it's still kitsch to have vinyl. So. It's, it's still going. I think people, strangely, people have even cared more. Um, I think it's because, and it depends on the fan base, you know, more and more I've learned is like the type of music you make, who you track, sort of governs the rules you live by nowadays. But like we did that song with Full of Hell. Full of Hell is a really awesome metal band and have a very fervent fan base. Like that, they would be like, we got to put some seven inch. I'm like seven inch. I didn't even thought about doing a seven inch in forever. And like that shit sold out real fast. So I was like, damn, I guess people are fucking buying seven inches. You know, it's it's kind of weird to me. It's disorienting. So were you missing touring as well right now? Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a weird thing when you don't tour, you kind of forget you ever did. And then every time I go into, I'm like, oh yeah. And so I spent the most of my life doing, you know, like this is why I got in the game. I totally fucking forgot about it. It's like this weird thing. And it's awesome to clear your head and like go and go on this little adventure and come back. Um, of course, I miss touring. I've, I always have, rec- I have recurring nightmares my whole life that I'm like at sound check and something's going wrong, you know? What do you think that touring looks like whenever the world decides to open back up? Uh, Europe, I would assume, is going to be just fine, just rammed with everyone trying to get, you know, every single band in the world trying to play everything. And it's too crowded. In uh, the U.S., I'm horrified. It's, I mean, like, it totally looks like every single independent venue might go out of business, or are they all going to get bought up by one guy? Or is it like, is there only, like, two mega promoters? Is there only Live Nation? Is there only whatever? I mean, there's stuff I read, all kinds of business stuff, people buying up indie venues like crazy or controlling stakes. I really don't know. Um, we can see some reset where it's like, all right, we don't do guarantees anymore. We do it like this. Or, like, who knows? Like, because what else are you going to do? And everyone is going to want to hit the road, you know, for most of us touring, especially, you know, from 2000s on, that became the, 
the model. Like in the old days, touring never made you money. It was always just promotion. Do you feel like touring was bloated at, right before the pandemic hit anyway? And what kinds of mistakes are just things that were wrong in that industry do you want to see fixed when it opens back up? Oh, I'm not even thinking like that. I'm just like, are there venues? Will I be able to tour? I hope there's, you know, I hope it's just back <laughs> in some form. I would be hate if it's like, yeah, not a whole lot of bands tour this. That, that would suck. I mean, I'm sure people would come like, it, the second it opens, all of us are, you know, want to get on the road for sure. But it's, it's just uh, very uncertain. I just hope there's venues. I really, I really hope the venues and the promoters are there and I hope they're all right. And I hope we can do our shows again. You know, independent venues too. But all of them, fuck it. I just, you know, we all want this to continue. Well, musically, is there anything that you've ever wanted to try that you haven't tried out yet? Or is there a certain sound that you've been trying to perfect your entire career that you really haven't perfected yet? I mean, this whole band, we're kind of, a, we're still refining what this is. We're always trying to do it with, with this band, you know, where, where you think it is in your head. But um, I mean, we've done it. We've dabbled our, our hand at it. I uh, like ambient music and some chill out music. That's cool too. Like really good ones. But we've been doing that, I guess. Uh, I, I get pretty satisfied with, I, with what we got to do in health. We got to like pretty much explore mostly what we want. And I, I, the lot of music I like, I don't have a huge desire to create, you know, that would be out of my wheelhouse. So no, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Maybe if I could play like some wacky instrument or something. I'd <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> well, do, do you notice when you, get put onto a bill like the nine inch nails uh lights in the sky tour that your fan base grows a little bit or have you noticed that it just kind of has always steadily gone up at just an appropriate independent band pace so i think if you looked at like a graph of this band it would just be a uh just a, a mild you know uh, incremental growth upward like the whole time with very few spikes. That said, though, we have made lifelong fans from those Nine Inch Nails shows. That was a really incredible experience. I think just the people who are... Nine Inch Nails fan base is such a passionate one. You know, we have... We still, to this day, have some of the most fervent fans from just people who either saw us on that tour or were really young when they saw us on or they were older. It's just like so many, like, forever fans were made just from those Nine Inch Nails shows. It was pretty amazing. Right after that, you had some fucking amazing promotion for that uh, Get Color album. What what sparked all of that? And was there anything that you wanted to put in in the promotion kind of or the sweepstakes that you just, it was impossible to just put it in there? We talked about like sending cum or something, but that's like biohazard. You know, we're like, with, <laughs> we want to be reasonable. Like I think we did the, we did the blood. We like autographed in blood, but that's dry. You don't want anything that can get anyone sick. I, I, I will say it was funny when Gang of Four did the vials of blood. I was like, oh, what, yeah, yeah. what the fuck are you guys doing? Yeah, I mean, it, mostly the shit was a joke, really. The, the grand prize is what mattered, but you know, we, we, were, we were pretty amused by it. Um, but we did do the grand prize. Uh, we, we made a video of it, and we never released it. So like, people who subscribe to Patreon now, we just like sent them the video that was made like 10 years ago, of, like taking this kid to Magic Bound with us. How was how was the patron thing been going? Pretty amazing, and that's definitely like really like um, really you know keeping the lights on uh, this year and being part of the ecosystem stuff like that is really crazy. Like obviously this stuff is less common for musicians, but people who do YouTube or streaming or all kinds of very internet based virtual stuff have been doing this for a long time, and it really really changes the game. But so that's you know because when you make money in music, 
there's just so many just people taking cut of the pie before you get anything like from all the whole down the chain and the label and everything all around it. it. It can be incredibly hard to make money. Like you make a lot of money. And then by the time you get money, you get this like donated charity slice, like a little piece. So the P- Patreon and stuff like that is like the stuff you just imagine like free sales. You're like, what if everyone gave me five bucks? You know, it's like, what if uh, everyone who likes to give you a dollar, you know, like, uh, well, that might add up to a decent amount of money. It's like, yes, it's, it's, it's very life changing. If someone you can just directly support, you know, someone you like, be like, here's five bucks. No, you know, not a huge amount of uh, expense or anything, just material. And like that, that's, it's life changing. You mentioned venues earlier and the entire career of health has seen an attachment to a lot of venues, including um, LA's The Smell for your guys' first video. What would, what venue would, would sadden you the most if it was gone after this whole thing? And what venue, American and abroad, would you say you have, you have found the best sound in? Oh, uh, it's going to really have to, a lot of hard memory. Anywhere in Austin, Texas has incredible sound. Everyone who works in that city is like a passion for great live sound. Um, new modes in Seattle sounds really fucking good. I'm, I'm going to miss a bunch of them. There's a lot of great, there's like venues we really like, uh, venues that uh, sort of work with us that have a lot of bass, but also have a really awesome, definitely going to miss any venue. Um, closed down. I think the smell will definitely still be there. Uh, for sure. That, that, um, I don't know. I'd I'd have to think about it too long for it to be interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Well, finally, what can we expect from you coming up? Uh, well, we have this new song coming out in cyberpunk 2077, the hottest video game around the most anticipated, um, which you should check out. I'm going to check it out. Uh, and we have, we actually have another track coming out for this other soundtrack also very soon. I don't know when that's happening. Uh, we are going to have a disco four plus part two, God willing, unless something happens when we can't get these tracks together. Uh, we're going to have a disco four plus, uh, remix EP for anyone who misses not having remixes on a disco record. Uh, I'm probably missing something. Well, we're definitely, we're keeping active. So there's still will be a, if we're still in quarantine, there'll still be a heavy uh, release schedule. This movie that we're working on will come out at some point. I don't know when. Well, John, I'm very excited to hear about all this, and I'm always stoked when health is on anything. And I'm always there. Hope everybody else checks it out. And yeah, thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Make sure to catch John Femigaletti and Health live whenever we get live music again. The Disco 4 Compilation Part 1, available now. And two great albums from last year, their uh, official soundtrack work on Grand Theft Auto Online Arena War and Volume 4, Slaves of Fear. And if you've never checked out any of Health before, make sure you go back, check out all that old stuff. And this concludes our broadcast day.